0: Hi, and welcome to the Delta Dialogue. In this podcast, we talk about open data, open medical data and AI from above and beyond and explore its implications to our world. Uh, on the 10th episode of our series on open medical data, we will discuss open medical data and AI. I am your host, Emir Mustafa. I am joined today by my co-host and commentator, David Wood, and our guest speaker, Ola Evumi, Ebumi, who is a health writer and a biochemist. Uh he helps healthcare, AI, and medical brands communicate effectively with their target audience through blog posts, white papers, and case studies. Uh hi Ola. Uh can you tell us more about yourself and what you're currently working on?
1: Hello. Hi everyone. Thank you. So I'm Ola de Iwumi. I'm a freelance writer and are from an educational standpoint, I am a biochemist. And in the last two years of my freelance writing career, I've helped brands in healthcare, life sciences and artificial intelligence with their content or marketing collaterals like white papers or like case studies or HCP guides or blog posts and our patient explainers. And our, at the moment, my work focuses on closing disparity gaps in our healthcare and life sciences through writing and speaking.
0: Can you discuss the importance of addressing underrepresentation and biases in open medical data, uh, particularly when it comes to marginalized populations, and how can AI and open data initiatives contribute in uh, to redressing these in- inequities? well our
1: so data plays are a very vital role and a very important role or in our, the healthcare space because healthcare professionals actually rely on our data and when we talking when we talk about artificial intelligence to artificial intelligence experts to actually rely on our on, on data to draw insights from and if there is or, an underrepresentation of data, or if a particular or data is not a true representation of a demography or of a population, it is going to or affect the outcomes. Because with AI systems, the quality of data sets and the diversity of the data sets that you have is what determines the outputs and the quality of the outcomes that you get. And it, that is also what actually determines how well the AI algorithms are perform, And at the moment, there is a stack under-representation of historically marginalized populations on or genomic repositories and on clinical trials. Of women enrolled in drug cardiovascular trials, we have just about being of African-American descent. And when you're looking at oncology trials, uh, both males and females, we have just less than 2%. And if a particular, or if you're working on data sets that is not a true representation of a particular population that it should be serving, it is going to defeat the end goals of artificial intelligence. And by having, or AI can help solve this disparity gaps by identifying populations that are not well represented on, or, on clinical trials. It can also help to actually detect the best populations that are well suited for a particular research. For instance, research tells us that or that Africans are more predisposed or more susceptible to sickle cell because they carry the sickle cell gene than other populations. And we're able to have access to this information through or through research and through data. So this tells us that when we're looking at the at developing drugs and when we're looking at developing therapeutic treatments we can actually focus on African populations. And or in some instances, research also tells us that some um, Caucasian populations are more predisposed and are more susceptible some, so, to some forms of cancers than other populations. So it just tells us or which populations you can better serve. And AI has our significant benefits. It can help us identify the populations that are at risk. It can con- It can actually conduct uh, a risk-benefit analysis or risk-benefit assessment. And and it can actually help researchers draw better insights on what they can do better, how they can address or come up with treatment in clinical interventions to solve temin problems facing specific populations and demographies.
2: I believe I've heard, Ola, that the African peoples actually have a huge diversity amongst themselves. It's because there's been a long, long prehistory of civilization in Africa. And so it would be wrong to simply think, hey, this is the African gene, the typical thing. So I'm guessing that the AI systems that you're referring to may be able to point out that there are significant differences in subpopulations. Rather than us naively thinking, "Hey, we've seen one African, therefore we've seen all Africans."
1: Yes, of, of course. Or other w- or research has shown that our Africans have uh, the SCY or uh, SCY19 gene, which is or or. Which has been linked to or drug metabolism and uh, efficiency, and also why we we do not know what subpopulations are affected, to researchers researchers have been able to show that some or African Americans are more at risk of breast cancer and some other forms of 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 cancer. And where AI can actually, common is that AI can can help or can help or researchers and clinic and clinicians that and can actually help them and how they can come up with clinical interventions, timely interventions for these populations.
0: I also want to ask about the deep learning models, Uh, the deep learning models have shown promising results in various medical applications. Uh, Can you elaborate on the potential of using AI uh, combined with open data to predict and assess risks or outcomes in healthcare? Um, And are there any specific examples or research findings that uh, highlight the benefits of this approach?
1: Oh yeah, or, or yes. So we have our a growing, or growing number of deep learning models that are coming up every time. And a very good example of that is the deep learning model developed by the Brigham and Women's or or that Massachusetts General Hospital, which is one of the or hospital network of Harvard University and what this deep learning model does is it's read images to to predict a person's 10 year risk of cardiovascular disease and it can also uh, point or spot if a person is prone to stroke or ischemic disease or a number of cardiovascular conditions just by scanning or images and also i'm aware that stanford university too as a deep learning model to uh, recently developed, they can also scan and other or, or, or different models to have found or applications in detecting skin cancers and detecting diabetic retinopathy and a number of health conditions. So what it basically does, it, it scans images and uh, it's, it compares the quality of the images to spots if a person has a disease condition or not and I think it's, uh, it is an exciting innovation and as open data, beco- as data becomes more accessible and our technology advancement becomes more expansive and extensive, I think we should or expect to see a number of innovations in that regard.
0: Yeah, and the integrate integration of AI into medical practices, um, as we have seen, has shown great potential in improving patient care. Um, I also wanted to ask, like, can you elaborate on how AI, coupled with uh, open data, again, uh, can enhance surgical workflows and transform the field of surgery as a biochemist? Um, are you are, are there any notable uh, examples of advancements in this area that you find particularly compelling?
1: Yeah, I think uh, well, first of all, one of the most exciting innovations in healthcare or uh, AI has been in the field of surgery because or uh, traditionally, like surgeons would uh, depend a lot on the expertise to perform open surgeries, but with the advent of artificial intelligence, AI allows surgeons to actually carry out what we call pre-operative planning and simulation, where it simulates a surgical procedure. It comes up with, or it can help support some anatomical, or anomalies, or anatomical variances, and it Can actually give a surgeon pointers on what to expect during a surgical procedure and how well to carry out the procedure. And again, one of the most exciting innovations has been in the area of robotic assisted surgeries, where all a surgeon has to do is to, is to control a or control a robot using the console, and the robot performs the surgery, and while the surgeons are carrying out the surgery he has a better view of the surgery and a very good example of that is metronix artificial intelligence or platform which allows surgeons to record Every aspect of the surgery, so that for the, uh, for medical education, so they can easily go back to it and check what they did right or what they did wrong, and also artificial intelligence can analyze the patient's data and vital signs after a surgical procedure and tell how well the patient is, res- is responded responding to or to treatment post surgery. So it basically just scans and analyzes all of a patient's data and tells our medical doctors if a patient is recovering or if or a treatment response is working or not.
0: Now you've you mentioned uh, robot assisted uh, surgery and also like AI assisted surgery. Uh, I mean, I've, I, I see this um, more and more often and uh, in, in different uh, countries. Do you think this will, this will be like a, a widespread thing? Because um I know that just from personal experience uh there was an issue of my family member that was going to do the knee surgery, um and they went to Turkey to to do the robot assisted one because apparently it was uh, it was a little bit more uh, advanced than and then back actually in the Netherlands where in the Netherlands the, the insurance company this time says. Oh, but uh, robot-assisted surgery—we can—we we don't have this in our in 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 the Netherlands itself. So I'm not sure we can cover this as an insurance policy. So are you optimistic in this uh, in this field of uh, robot-assisted and AI-assisted surgeries?
1: Yeah, I think I am. I am pro AI and pro or uh, robot uh, robotic-assisted surgery. I see lots of uh, possibilities, on en- like endless possibilities. Reason being that our, traditionally, surgeons will perform surgeries or with open procedures, but robotic-assisted surgery allows for minimally invasive procedures. And most of them are actually 90%, like or they have a 90% success rate, which is actually very, very, very good. And, or AI is, or, or like, like the researchers actually find a way of just incorporating AI into the robotic systems so that they, they work better. And, and, or, yeah, so that's just that basically, they find a way of incorporating AI with the robots so that the, the, the surgery goes or like, like scales very well.
2: Amy, the point you raised, is very interesting that it wasn't a technical problem, it was a funding problem in this case. The financial system had not caught up with the possibilities of the new technology. So I'm presuming it will catch up soon, but I'm also presuming that these funding systems are gonna have to be more nimble because there's gonna be a lot of new treatments available as we embrace the possibilities of robotic surgery and AI-assisted healthcare.
1: Yes, and I also think that over time, with, with the uh, rapid influx of robotic assisted surgery or AI taking over the healthcare space, I think are more insurance companies who wanna make accommodations to, to probably maybe increase the amount of money to make available to patients to be able to carry out these procedures, especially when e-research is able to show us that they have a very
2: good success rate. It's financially sensible to do this, isn't it? If you use this slightly more expensive surgery, perhaps, nevertheless, there's less chance of complications, there's more chance of a complete cure. There's less requirement therefore in the future to pay more money. So an enlightened insurance company should uh, be open to that kind of uh, payment system. Let's talk about it to make sure that these insurance companies
0: aren't dragging their feet unnecessarily here. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, Ola, I wanted to go back to um, the the topic of uh, um, AI and, and 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 open data in uh, in Africa. So, African populations, uh, as also mentioned by uh, your articles, are underrepresented on global genomic repre- uh, repositories. Uh, could you elaborate on the genetic variants that have been discovered in African populations, and how do they contribute, uh, or how do how they can contribute to drug discovery? Um, more, moreover, like how can artificial intelligence help address uh, the existing genetic biases?
1: Sure. So, our, our African population studies have shown that are the CYCP219 genetic variant is very predominant and prevalent among African populations. And these are, and researchers have been able to link this specific genetic variant to drug metabolism. And this has shown, has given insights on why some specific medications Are not working, and also research tells us that Africans are most susceptible to the sickle cell gene. This means that they are more or they are more likely to develop a sickle cell disease than other, other or other populations. So where AI comes in is that AI can actually help clinicians develop timely interventions and. AI can or can can help research organizations and research institutes carry out or or carry out research and identify the specific or specific subpopulations that are most prone to this to these conditions.
0: Okay, and. Um... I mean, as AI-powered medical devices become more integrated into the healthcare sector, uh, how well do you think they can bridge, bridge the gap between medtech innovators and patients in their pursuit of patient-centered care? Uh, are there any challenges or considerations that need to be addressed in this process?
1: Well, when it comes to our considerations, I think some of the key challenges are safety because AI systems rely heavily on health data, and some of this are data are uh, like very sensitive information. And the the crux for every patient is what happens if my information gets into the wrong hands and all that. And from our a medical device innovate uh, innovator standpoint, medical device companies are always keen on coming up coming up with exciting innovations to actually solve and unmet medical needs and that is why we have some regulatory frameworks in place like in the united states and finally about the fda where the fda regulates or artificial intelligence software to make sure that it's still within our that artificial intelligence satisfies patient safety requirements and other data protection regulations. And it's such that even after this or these technologies have been or developed and they're in the market, they're still subject to post-market surveillance. So, yeah, yeah so uh, there is that interplay of regulatory organizations to just make sure that both or to make sure that medical like or medical device the the, the satisfy the core requirements of patient safety there yeah and they are safe for for use and they actually do they carry out a risk benefit analysis to make sure that the benefits are more than the
0: risks no, exactly, and you know, I want to go back again to to uh, Africa on this point. Is that uh, especially regarding to the biopharma market uh, in Africa, uh, because it's experiencing rapid growth, and um, AI is often seen as a solution to clinical trial challenges. Um, so, I wanted to ask, can you discuss on how AI? can help overcome these challenges and enhance Africa's participation in clinical trials? Uh, what impact can this have on the continent's biopharma terrain?
1: Yeah, so on the, Africa's biopharma terrain, let me say that Africa has are, the biopharma terrain in Africa is growing and there are lots of possibilities for, you know, for, for Africa. So artificial intelligence can actually drive Adequate representation of the African population in, in clinical trials, it can spot or uh, sudden biases in clinical trial rep- in, in, in clinical trial representation. And it can help spot the exact patient group that is more suitable for a clinical trial. Like if a particular or population is more prone to a disease condition. It's just more, it makes sense that we would channel clinical trials to the particular population. And I think AI would allow for a better representation of or of populations that best need a treatment or the, the the most. So I think that there are lots of possibilities of for AI in the, the biopharma space. But one major issue has always been especially with Africa has always been with making or clinical trial data open, whether to make it open and not to make it open. And I think when we have access to open data and when data is made accessible and available, it would actually speed up the research or process. It, it would speed up the rate of research. If I'm a researcher and I need to carry out a, a, a research and data is actually very, very available, I don't have to go through the research process of trying to collect the data from data from or the beginning and all that. But because it's available, I just need to access the data and just the data for what I actually need it for and or although I would say that or making data available, making the data open and accessible to all as it comes to, but we can actually come up with our, or, or with some frameworks to ensure that we, we control any breaches that can actually come up, and we can come up with systems like or data protection regulations or have an ePA compliant cybersecurity feature to protect a patient's data, and we can encrypt data where necessary, and have or a data breach response plan. Just in case, or 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 that's such an event occurs.
0: Okay, and um, yeah, so I want to move on to the uh, to a. To another topic, um, namely uh, the ethical area of healthcare and AI. Um, I know, I mean, you work uh, with uh, healthcare brands uh, and, and you help them with uh, white papers, case studies, etc. Uh, so I wanted to ask, um, in your opinion, uh, what are the key ethical considerations uh, that arise when integrating AI into medical and healthcare practices, and um, well, yeah, how can these concerns be effectively addressed to ensure patient safety and privacy?
1: I think one of the major concerns around or the use of AI in healthcare centers on data safety. Concerns because patients' data are usually very, very sensitive, so uh, it's an ethical issue. Also, patients want artificial intelligence to be to be safe for for use. That is, even using an AI medical device, I don't want to be concerned about the adverse effect. Like I, I don't want a situation where it would cause an adverse effect because I want it to actually make me feel better. Number two. And number three, I think another issue is the issue of interoperability, which is or being able to exchange data across different, different platforms. And allow me to say this, that while artificial intelligence and healthcare has lots of advantages, there is the human aspect to AI, the human touch to AI. Human beings call it data. Human beings are the ones who develop artificial intelligence or in- intelligence systems. And human beings are the ones who actually feed AI systems with, with, or with data. So there is the need for collaboration and partnerships among our government parasitals, or among our AI experts, healthcare providers. Patient advocacy group on the use of responsible AI to ensure that our AI satisfies our, our safety concerns. It, it is safe, it is equipped, or it, it is or fair in its use.
0: Thank you for listening to the Delta Dialogue. This episode is brought to you by the UN, a tech community focused on artificial intelligence in healthcare, machine learning, and related disciplines. I am Amir Mustafa, and see you next time.